So how was your Christmas, man? Uh, Christmas was really good, man. I got to uh, visit my brother who lives two and a half hours west of here. Oh, that's fun. And we went there with so my other brother who lives in California came out as well. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't realize. I knew about the brother in California. I didn't know you had one in Texas. Um, yeah. So well, he's in Texas now. He was in North Carolina for a while, long time, almost two decades. Uh, or I should say a decade and a half, maybe. Yeah. Um, and then he moved to Texas. I think um, last last year. Okay. And so I was really excited when. I found out we were moving to Texas because we're super close by now, and that's never happened before. We've always been super far apart. So I picked him up at the airport, the brother from California. We went to his place, um, I think it was like two or three days before Christmas, and the weather was beautiful. It was like in the 70s every day, Um, you know, it was nice to get out in the morning and just walk around and not have to wear a jacket at all. And we just kind of hung out, ca- caught up That's on strange. things, uh, you know, drank a lot, you know. And mm-hmm. then Christmas came around and we uh, that was a lot of fun. So my both of my brothers have kids and they all were there. And so it's not often that that much of my family gets to be together uh, for the holidays. So that was mm-hmm. a nice treat for sure and um so yeah other than that that was pretty much the whole holiday for me was just hanging out with them so oh that's fun yeah i don't know our christmas my christmas my christmas was good don't get me wrong it was just it's just different um i i had covid for that two weeks and then yeah there was like a week before christmas and it's i didn't get any gifts for anyone It, it was just kind of a little hectic like i was not up to what I typically do. I mean, it was fun. We had a good time, but I mean, it was just a different kind of Christmas. So, do you want to do you want to record the intro or do you want to do that last? Oh, I forgot about the intro. We could do that last. That's fine. Just have to remember to do. I it. think we. I think we just need to get like a standard intro so we don't have to record a new intro every single day, and just kind of let let it be. Honest, honestly. We should try to have an episode where we don't have an intro, where it's just the music, and then it goes into the intro of us talking. Oh, let's do this right and now. See how let's that do does. it with this one. We're going to do it on this one. I feel like I'm going to love it. Why? What are because we doing? Less editing. Oh, we're not having an intro this episode. How's oh, that? yeah. That's fine. Yeah. We'll see how it. We'll see how the listeners uh, fare with that. So, I think it's going to be fantastic. We should hire somebody on Cameo to do an intro for us. Oh, my God. We should. That's Who a good idea. Someone that's someone that's an actor. Somebody that's an That'd actor. That'd be perfect. Right? Bruce Campbell. Yeah. Oh, okay, I'm in. Bru- we have Bruce Campbell to do our intro. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, let's let's do it. I think people like that intro. I think they do. Oh, good, good. Uh, I got it somewhere. I don't know where. All right, go ahead. Start us off with the movie news. All right, so the first thing that I have for movie news is uh, going back to the rumor mill. Um, 
Norman Reedus as ghostwriter rumors are heating back up. Uh, supposedly, he's been liking a lot of tweets referencing him as the ghostwriter, uh, fan art, stuff like that. And uh, Norman Reedus is one of the few actors in Hollywood that is well known for having lots of motorcycles. So <laughs> really, uh, on an off-screen perspective, would be like the perfect fit, right? At least we know he can ride one. And he can. And uh, he actually said, um, he actually uh, volunteered to um, have one of his motorcycles in the movie. He said he has uh he said he has twelve motorcycles. Hmm. And then he's just gonna pick one and then have it be the prop for the film. Oh, that's cool. Um while the casting in my mind would kind of be like kind of a like a ha ha kind of thing, like cause he's so well known for for being um that kind of character in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh I I think the casting would be perfect. I don't see I don't see any hiccups for him being Ghost Rider. He's got a good physique for it. I think he I um, think he is the right actor for it. He's got the right attitude. He's got the right pre- he's got he's got the right presence is the thing. Mhm. Like he looks like somebody that would be a motorcycle daredevil. Not ju- not not Nicolas Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he looks like Johnny Blaze, a daredevil. He looks he, like he would be a daredevil. He looks good as a biker, like Daryl Dixon. Like mm-hmm. he just he just fits that that role so perfectly. Um, and I get and with Walking Dead wrapping up with its final season, um, the end the finale is going to be next year, so he'll have a lot more free time now. I uh, haven't they, watched that show since season three. Uh, I w- stopped watching in like season. Eight, and I kind of I want to go back just when it ends, just to finish it up, you know, because I love the comics so much. Mm-hmm. But um, they say, um, I mean, with with like I said, with him having all that free time now, if they were to make a couple Ghost Rider movies or have him be a recurring character, mm-hmm. uh, that would work out very well because they could sign him for a, for a big contract and then kind of have him locked down for a while so it makes sense um they haven't marvel themselves have not said anything as far as like what they are planning on having as casting for that uh, i think it's kind of like on the back burner right now probably not going to see anything more until late next year early 2023 okay um but the way it's leaning is uh the fans want it he wants it so i mean it, it just makes sense you know yeah. What else you, you want got? Me to, want me to do both? Okay, I could do both. <laughs> yeah, just keep going. Um. All right. Uh. So the last piece of movie news that I have, uh, kind of caught me off guard. I, it's not what I was looking for at all, but um, it's very interesting. What could have been kind of situation? Mm-hmm. Um, disgraced producer Harvey Weinstein threatened to replace Peter Jackson with Quentin Tarantino on Lord of the Rings, like the original uh, trilogy. Um, I guess they... I guess uh, Weinstein wasn't a big fan of of it being three films and being so goddamn long. Hmm. Um, uh, but you know, Weinstein's but, a terrible person, but unpopular opinion, I might like those movies a lot more if it was Tarantino. <laughs> I mean, 
I think I don't know. I don't even know if Tarantino would have taken the offer, to be honest, because that was right when he was really starting to get into the Kill Bills. I don't think he would have um, because Tarantino likes to do kind of his own works. I mean, there's a few that have been based off of like novels. I know Jackie Brown was based off a novel, but and that's also but, the one Tarantino movie I haven't watched. But I don't. I don't think it fits. Uh, Lord of the Rings is an epic fantasy that is based off books that are over sixty years old. It doesn't really fit his mo. Um, I guess I think the Tarantino threat was more just like a kind of off the cuff thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess according to um, I guess according to uh, Peter Jackson's manager and some of the actors on set, like uh, some of the interviews. I guess they Harvey threatened to get Tarantino to direct it if Peter couldn't do one film that was two and a half hours. Yeah. But the thing is with epic fantasy and any any epic fantasy, um, it just needs the time to develop because the characters in in fantasy in general is uh, they're very well built and uh, you kind of have to have that development. And film doesn't really lend itself very well to that especially nowadays where if a movie is over two hours it's considered long we're kind of going back we're kind of going back to like how it was back in the early 2000s when most movies were 90 minutes you know honestly even even marvel films two hours for the most part i think is like the perfect time for a movie um but I also think, what does the story require? I think that's the real issue, is what does the story require? And my personal issue with Peter Jackson is he doesn't follow that thought process. Peter Jackson doesn't follow the thought process of what does this story require to tell full? He hmm. is, he comes off as, if we're going by Seven Deadly Sins terms, a glutton. He thinks the more I can jam-pack into this movie, the better. And that is how most of his freaking movies are. King Kong's too long. The Lord of the Rings. What was it? The last one? The What is it? The Return of the King is almost four hours long? It didn't need to be that long. That's not true. That or you need to break it down into, into smaller sections. It's like three and a half hours long, Return of the King. Um... It is way too long. Three hours and 30 minutes. Three hours and 20 minutes. 30 minutes. I'm looking at Google right here. It's too long. And that is my problem with Peter Jackson. And that is why I don't watch most of his films. Well, the thing is with this particular... I mean, I don't disagree with you about King Kong uh, or about his filmmaking in general. But the thing with Lord of the Rings is the books... Like, the way the books are written and the way fans are with the books... Uh, Peter Jackson did the right thing when he made them long, be- and he didn't just make them mm-hmm. long to just be obtuse with it. He made them long because that's what the fans believed the and source material deserved. And that is why the Hobbits deserved. in three parts, right? Well, that's why the that Hobbits wasn't... in three like well, two and okay. a half hours. Going back parts. to what the fan, the, I've I know so many people that grew up with the books before the movies even came out, and. Mm-hmm. Very, very rarely will you have anyone complain about anything in the movie. But um, with The Hobbit, The Hobbit is universally hated 
as films because like because the, word, the term you used, glutton, very well adequately uh, describes those movies because the book wasn't even that long, let alone three movies worth, and they added a lot of filler that sucked. Like it wasn't even good filler; it was bad filler. Yeah, I don't know. I I always find it hard. <laughs> I unpopular opinion. I always find it hard to watch the Lord of the Rings films because of how long they are, and I just feel like. Each one is unnecessarily long. There are things that could be cut. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying there's things that could be cut out to make the runtime better and make the story flow more fluidly than it does. It's you don't take every you don't take you don't take the cookbook and and make everything in it at once. You don't take a novel and put every single page on the screen it doesn't work it's 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 excessive i don't know that's my opinion i'm sorry i know this is not where this was going or supposed to be but (laughs) see usually i would agree with you but with this particular with this particular series like there really was no way around it because if they started cutting things out for time people would have been like hey what the fuck where's that thing i, I liked or whatever you know because like people, people are, are so passionate look at no, me i'm complaining people are so passionate about these books that you that peter jackson was under a lot of stress to do it right and luckily he did right yeah, according he, to he did it right, people that like the books i mean he could maybe from a out. film perspective from a film perspective yes they are long they drag whatever fine but if you're a fan of the books then you're by default a fan of the movies because that's usually how it works with this lord of the rings all right well whatever but you don't read the books i'm not i'm not changing my no i didn't read the books i don't want to read the books i want to watch the movie so that's why you have such a problem with the with the movies movies and books are two separate mediums Hmm, i guess they are but you know Uh, there's a a lot of source material there was a lot of source material used to write the Spider-Man movie we're going to be talking about. Yes, but did they translate the comic book arc panel for panel? No, they didn't. The hmm. only movie that really did that was Watchmen, and people hated it for some reason, and I actually <laughs> really like Watchmen. <laughs> Watchmen that, was all right. I really like Watchmen. I think you couldn't make a better Watchmen movie, to be honest. Something as faithful as that no, I don't think you can make a better one. And I I don't know. You can make the same argument that I'm making with Lord of the Rings. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whatever. I just, whatever. Also, okay. um, just okay. throwing in two cents here. Uh, Tom Holland, extremely miscast in Uncharted. Watching the previews, looking at him. That character's supposed to be in his 30s. He looks like he's 21. Um, and I think Mark Wahlberg is miscast as Sully as well. Someone who's supposed to be in their late fifties or sixties, slightly out of shape, but still in good enough mm-hmm. shape to be doing things. It's not supposed to be a hunk. So just throwing that out there. Saw that preview and I was like, Ooh, that does, it doesn't, it doesn't read well with those two. So I'll throw in something with that too. Mm hmm. It would have been better if they had just made a movie that was like Uncharted with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg Mm -hmm. instead of trying to make an Uncharted movie. 
because Tom Holland does not fit that role at all. No. If if this were not an Uncharted movie, it'd probably be fine. But because it has an expectation, uh, so, the source material, it doesn't make any sense. All right, let's go ahead and dive into Spider-Man No Way Ugh. Home. All right, I honestly have not been this excited to talk about a movie since, like, uh, Jungle. Uh, we'll, we'll just get into it. Um, yeah. So there's just so much to talk about with this movie. Mm-hmm. And luckily... For us, most of it is good. Um, Amazon, really, I mean Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> what am I talking about? What am I talking about? Mar- Marvel really hit a ho- another home run with this. Um, so I, I, I'm just going to start from the beginning and kind of work through it. And we'll just talk about it. Yeah. Um, so the movie picks up right when the previous film stopped which was great there was no mm-hmm. filler no like and there's like right there it starts right away um get your attention jk simmons j jonah jameson big screen daily bugle uh, demonizing spider-man taking the side of mysterio sets up the movie um i just love him in that in that role mm-hmm. so much J.K. Simmons, I can't get enough of him as uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Well, no, and I'm I'm glad that they didn't try to like replace him or anything because like, good luck. I mean, to me, I know. he is J. Jonah Jameson. Like from the original trilogy, ever since I saw him, and it was like looking at a comic book page jumping off the screen at me, and I'm like, oh my god, it is literally J. Jonah Jameson. I know with the way superhero movies are now, it's very tricky to have actors replay characters in a different universe and da 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 da. But really, this is kind of the one, the one character that I think just everyone's given a free pass on. Mm-hmm. Like they just don't care, right? Yep. It's like, well, and they they also make it work with this movie, and, and the reason they make it work is because of how the the multiverse comes together, and you have all these different people. Being the same character. I mean, you have the different Peter Parkers being the same the same yep. character. All three Peter Parkers are all Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And they're all essentially kind of the same character. They have the same motives and things like that. They just have different experiences which inform their characters. Tobey Maguire had different experiences. Andrew Garfield had different experiences. Tom Holland. But so with that, you can look at this J. Jonah Jameson and still be like, yes, he is... This universe is J. Jonah, I mean, J.K. Simmons, and be like, yes, he is this universe's J. Jonah Jameson, and he's bald. But the if you go back to the Tobey Maguire one, I doubt that that guy's bald. I'm sure he still has his full head of hair. And it's just like little subtle differ, uh, differences like that. That's that's a good point. He did have a full head of hair in... Uh... I don't remember if it was a if it was a hairpiece or not, but he did have hair. He's been bald for years in he the was original. Bald back then too. Well, no, I mean like in the movie. I can't remember if it was a hairpiece that J. Jonah Jameson had or if it was actually his hair. But oh, yes, he did have hair. hair. He did it's have hair. Supposed to be his hair. Um, I know I'm kind of jumping ahead a little bit That's past fine. a lot of the controversy with like Spider Man and Peter Parker and like all his friends kind of get wrapped up in all that. Ah, we, but, we already know it. I mean, that's classic Spider-Man. He's he's the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, but New York City sees him as a criminal, and I was wondering when we were going to get to that point. I know, and we're going to talk about that later for sure. And I, I, I love 
I think growing up, like one of my favorite Marvel characters is always Spider-Man just because of how consistently good the writing was, mm-hmm. no matter who was taking the helm on it. Um, but the next thing I wanted to talk about was that the, the reveal of Daredevil, um, played by Charlie Cox, <laughs> yes, as the lawyer. That was, was awesome. Like... The, like the very first piece of fan service we get and it wasn't even that big well, of a of a deal but it was just kind of cool but it is a big deal because there, there's always been this question of of is the next netflix marvel movies are they actually part of the mcu and this answered that question of yes they are i mean which I is know good the, the netflix tv shows they mention like like the battle of new york and things like that they mention it but you never really saw those characters again. And with with Charlie Cox coming in, that that reaffirms everything. As well as with the Kingpin in Hawkeye, that mm-hmm. also reaffirms yep. it. Yeah, Vincent Donofrio, yeah. I so, Honestly, that's another character, much like J. Jonah Jameson, that I really I don't think they should ever recast anytime oh, soon. He's, he's perfect. Because Vincent Donofrio is amazing. He's perfect as Kingpin. I don't. It, he he's menacing. He's he's calm. It's so it's so off putting. I don't know how you do it. And like I know they probably do some camera trickery to assist in this, but like Kingpin in the comics is kind of cartoonishly large. Mm-hmm. And Vincent D'Onofrio is a big dude, so it yeah. just it makes sense, right? It there's not works. many. There's not many big dude actors in Hollywood, you know, mm-hmm. he's one of them. He fits that, that role so well. Um, but yeah, but, I agree with you. Like Charlie Cox coming in and being dare, like daredevils there. And like, he's, he's their lawyer and he gets them off and everything. I, I think that's perfect. And I love when first off. Okay. So first off, I want to say, I love when somebody throws a brick through the window and he catches it and goes, this is for you. <laughs> That was now, great. Second thought. How high up in this building are they that somebody threw a brick through it? Um like my understanding was they're not on the first floor. No. They're not on the second, they're not on the third floor. Like my understanding is they're high up. So who the hell is throwing this brick? It would have been it would have been interesting if they had had some other kind of fan service character show up that was the one that threw the brick, right? It would be. But I, I just feel like that's something that nobody thought of. It was like, mm-hmm. Oh, we're gonna have this brick come through and we're gonna have uh Charlie Cox, you're gonna catch it and then just hand it to him and go, This was for you. But like who threw it? Like, I think people were too distracted by Charlie Cox to, to I, even yes, question anything yes, going on. I in was that scene. too. I was too until like like I started looking at the window and I was like they're high up. Cuz that window gets looked out of quite a bit. Yeah. In the movie. They're not close yeah. to the ground. And they're not close enough for somebody from the other building to throw it. No. So like hmm. I'm, my question's like who threw the brick? That's a good point. So, I want that's a good point. Do you remember what the uh, what the letter said on the brick? I can't remember. Oh yeah, it said we believe Mysterio. Oh, hmm. interesting. So maybe that could have been something that 
maybe no. Marvel kind of kind of circles back to and maybe, has someone but I else doubt it. I doubt it. I think it was oh. just a gag. I think it was a gag. And maybe somebody in the writer's room goes, well, how are they going to get the brick up there? And their thought is like, oh, no one's going to notice. That's probably yeah. more likely what happened. <laughs> <laughs> it checks out. It checks out, right? Yeah. Well, um, one of the things that I really enjoyed about the, especially like the very first Spider-Man was uh, Homecoming, right? Mm-hmm. I loved that the that Peter Parker specifically was developed very well in that movie. But at the same time, you know, it was like a, it was a young, young, very young Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, he's, he's a kid. He makes lots of mistakes, but he's learning how to be mature by fighting, you know, uh, Michael Keaton and all that. So like, but everything, everything that happened to him, I guess, except maybe for like end game, Everything kind of had a nice bow on top ending, right? Yeah. He beat the bad guy, or and the bad guy went to jail, and whatever, whatever, right? Then Endgame happens, and that was like the first really kind of life altering thing that ever that happened to him, mm-hmm. right? And that just kind of that this movie continues that thread where like now it's like, hey, Peter, it's time to grow up. You know, it's time to be an adult. And now that he's starting to have a lot of negative circumstances happen to him, and pe- then he's seeing how him being Spider-Man affects the people he cares about. That's just another giant leap for the um, character development that I really liked. Um, I was hoping that they were going to start taking a more serious turn with this, much like they have been with every superhero in the MCU yeah. ever since Civil War, you know? Um, and, and they did a good job explaining like his life is never going to be the same. You know, he saved the world, right? Mm -hmm. But just like in the real world, real life, it's what you, what you see is not always the truth, right? Yep. And that's exactly the case with this. He, he saved the world, but at the cost of him, his personal life being completely screwed up. I mean, that's something that. Spider-Man historically has always dealt with too. So I mean, and Doctor Strange puts it great. He said, "He said, um, you can't have it both ways." Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then Peter goes ahead and just screws up the spell, which opens up the multiverse and pisses off Doctor Strange, rightfully so. Um, the first hour of the movie, um, it kind of. It kind of felt a little jumbled, you know, with everything like Charlie Cox and then Harvard and then uh, Happy's apartment and that whole weird thing with him and Aunt May. It was like, okay, what's what's going on here? And I kind of started to get a little annoyed with that because I didn't really know it was like, what's the point, right? Okay. But it quickly moves on from that um, where Peter goes to the Sanctum Sanctorum to meet up with Doctor Strange and ask him, like, hey, is there anything that, like, you can do? Because, um, you know, he he doesn't have the time stone anymore, but he can still do spells and such, right? Yes. Um, and he does he does probably the one of the very first mature things that Spider-Man's done since Endgame, and that's sacrificing, you know, the, his, his love for MJ so that 
the the world could be um so that things could kind of go back to normal right but he didn't sacrifice mj that i i you're wrong he didn't because then he as soon as dr strange says everyone will forget who you are he starts listing off people he's like well this person's got to know this person's got to know well this person's got to know this person's got to know and that's that's what screws up the spell so I disagree with you. I don't think it's I don't think he was very mature about it. Honestly, the mature thing to do would have been like, all right, so everyone's gonna forget. Well, I guess I can go tell the people I care about again. That would well, have been the right thing to do. Instead of just being like, Well, don't tell them that Oh, don't let this person forget, don't let this person forget. It's 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 very childish again. It's very much him being like I don't want to deal with that situation again. It was really hard and difficult. Instead of just being like, okay, I did it once. I can do it again. Yeah. Well, that I, I agree with you. That's what I was kind of, I was going to get kind of get to initially. It seemed like that was his idea, right? It seemed like, Oh, okay. He's actually going to do something like adult, right? For, for once. Um, but it's like, it's the, it's the back and forth, right? Is you got the, the Peter Parker, from the first movie and that and then and the post endgame Peter Parker, right? And they're they're still both inside of his head and they're kind of fighting, right? Um, because if if he was mature, he would have thought ahead on that before mm-hmm. going to Doctor Strange. And then but then in the moment, right? Doctor Strange yep. is already starting to cast a spell. Yeah. And he's like, wait, wait a second, hang on. It's like, no no no, this is it's you, no, you no, gotta no, you commit. can't you can't change it now. You gotta commit with what you've said. Right, yeah. just like as adults, and you know, not to keep pulling this back to reality, but as adults, you have to make decisions and stick with it, right? Yep. Um, so all that aside, um, he messes up the spell. Uh, Doctor Strange does what he can, but the multiverse uh, was shattered long enough to allow villains that knew Spider Man's true identity to seep through. Um, and we get the kind of the mega cast that this movie had. And I loved it because they didn't introduce a new villain. All the villains were already pre-established. And I think that's, so that, that's something that has gone wrong in movies before you get, you, you you get too many villains in it and you can't get enough story because you're trying Mm -hmm. to tell the story of each villain or you don't get enough character out of the villains. And that was part of the problem with Spider-Man 3. Exactly. And that I was has just been about problems. to say that. But yeah. here we go. We have the backstory to all these villains already. We we should know who they are. And we know their motivations at this point. So with that, we can just kind of like cruise through it and just start mm-hmm. getting into the, the bulk of it. And I, that's, that's what happened when uh, Doc Ock shows up. He's just like, he just comes in and it's like, hello, Peter, where's my machine? Mm-hmm. And the real thing is, he doesn't know who he is. He has no idea who Dr. Octavius is. And I think that's but, great. But I thought that was Peter clever is. in how each, one of the, how each one of the villains is perplexed by what's going on. And I love how, he, like, I love how Alfred Molina's just there and he's flipping cars and he's throwing cars at Spider-Man and he's doing his thing. And 
the way that he gets beat was kind of brilliant was the nanotechnology. So he, he got control over, over his tentacles. I was not expecting that. I did not see that coming at all. Like, I thought that was a very clever move on the writing staff. But here's another question for you. Okay. After that, they go back up topside and we get the goblin pumpkin bomb tossed. And then you hear the laugh and then you see the green goblin on his glider. And then Octavius goes, what's Osborne doing here? (laughs) How does he, but, but here, here's my real question. From what I understand in the original Spider-Man trilogy is that the only ones that knew he was the goblin are Peter Parker, also known as Spider-Man and Harry Osborne and their Butler. Hmm. Uh, I guess question. Octavius might have found out when dealing with Harry. Mm. But Harry, but here's the other thing. Harry doesn't find out that his dad was the goblin until the end of the second movie that's, when that's he true. throws. Yeah. So so that's where how does he know who Norman Osborn is? I think a better question is and maybe you could answer this for well, me. I mean, he know, yeah. Is a better question would be how was it that even though the multiverse was was shattered for a brief moment, how was it that all of these villains that had they were confirmed to have died in their their dimensions throughout mm-hmm. the film, how did they get through now, supposedly after they had died in their previous dimensions? So, they, they actually did explain that. And it was, each one was ripped right before, like, uh, at, at a point right before they were killed. Okay, that's, you're right. Yep, I forgot about that. So, good, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, so, yeah, that was the whole right. problem with, that was Tom Holland's whole problem was, we, we can't just let them go die. He had an issue with these people dying. And Doctor Strange is like, it's not our choice. Which, I mean, he's yeah. right. They need to go yeah. back to their own universe. But I understand where Holland's coming from as well. Just so. like with Back to the Future 2, you really shouldn't change anything about anything. Mm-hmm. Because the consequences are beyond anything you can comprehend. Yeah. Butterfly so. effect. You know? Yeah, pretty much. That's that exists like in this universe, even though the time stone is gone, the, the, the butterfly effect can still happen. Right. Yep. So, yeah. And um, that that conflict between Doctor Strange and Spider-Man. But I'm glad you brought up Green Goblin because that's going to segue into one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, which was the bridge. Yeah, that movie was that that scene was phenomenal. And, mm-hmm. you know, you kind of you kind of got so for me anyway i kind of got so wrapped up in the whole harvard you know peter trying to kind of talk to the mit staff person or whatever that i uh, forgot that in the trailer it very clearly shows doc ock and green goblin appearing on the bridge Mm -hmm. um and then oh see i saw that coming i i saw him get on the bridge i'm like 
It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. It's coming up. And I got so excited. I got giddy because those are like, like literally, I was walking out of that with like a smile on my face. Like anytime that's like anytime one of the villains from the first three movies shows up, I had a huge smile on my face. You know who? I don't know where Sandman came from, because the way he's talking, it's it seems like it's post. It's post his fight with Toby. Hmm. And it seems like they've been on good terms and yeah. that they haven't seen each other in a while. Mm-hmm. You're right. Maybe that was a goof. You know, they, something they they wrote and they're like, well, how do we get around this? And they're well, like, no, well, I, we can't. I don't, I don't know if it's a goof because if you actually watch the movie, he, he does just blow away. He just does go off into the breeze. If you watch Spider-Man 3, he just... True, but that was supposed to be... That was supposed to represent him kind of... His physical form dying. No. I don't think so. Eh, well, that's, that's kind of because, what I gathered from it, but well, because there, there's no, there's no real him dying in that movie. Like, like Toby, it's the one villain in the original trilogy who doesn't die. Because no, he no, gives yeah, but what I mean story, is he, he goes off into he goes off into the sunset kind. No, of. yeah, but what I mean is his his the human he once was will no longer exist. Well, they kind of—I mean—they did kind of do that because they didn't bring him back until the Statue of Liberty. Yeah. You don't see him in human form until the Statue of Liberty. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that—that that all adds up. Um. So, so I mean, eventually he goes—he goes around. He gathers up all the villains. He puts them back in in like the containment field until they're mm-hmm. only looking for uh, Goblin. Yeah. And when they find when they find him, he's. Norman, he's his Norman Osborn self, where he's like, I don't want to be the Goblin anymore. You know, kind of like how Seinfeld was like, I don't want to be a pirate. He's like, I don't want to be the Goblin. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of like what I got out of him, and it was like he doesn't, he wants to get this out of him and everything. But I think that was Goblin the whole freaking time, just kind mm. of like manipulating, manipulating, and trying to get him to release all the villains, so that way they could team up. Because I think he knows that they're all gonna die. I think he's figured that out. And mm-hmm. honestly, this this goblin version is so much more menacing than the the two thousand two Sam Raimi one. Which he was fantastic in Sam Raimi. He just takes it up to freaking he takes it from a from like a nine to ten. But mm-hmm. that ten just it, it seals it. I don't ever wanna see another person play the Green Goblin. Never. He is the Green Goblin. They should never touch that character again. It is Willem Dafoe. And, and it, it's just, it's, it is, it is incredible to me how great Willem Dafoe is. And his one, his one requirement for coming back, he told Marvel, he has to do all of his own stunts. Yeah. The guy's like 66 years old. Well, he's but also he said a beast. That the, it, yeah, he says it helped him get into... The character, it helped him get into this whole mindset that pushed him even further. And I read somewhere that apparently he scared the shit out of everyone on the set with how yeah, easily that's... he was able to go in and out of character. He is the greatest villain since, I will say, Heath Ledger's Joker. Mm. Oh, for sure. Well, Green Goblin technically came first, but... Yes. This just, to me, cements him as... One of the all-time great villains in movie history. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, especially at a time when there wasn't really a standard yet, right? There was no standard yeah. for superhero movies or villains, for that matter. And Spider-Man was the first, other than Blade, obviously, but mm-hmm. Spider-Man, not, but that was like a different genre. Well, Blade that also was never a, really had strong villains in either. Well, in no, but that's not, my, my point is, it's like, the as far as like quality, right? Like the yeah. movie quality, like up to that point, like Blade, sure, but that was a different audience, I think, because it was like a much more edgy film. And Spider-Man kind of brought um, a wider fan base in that and X-Men, the first X-Men movie, brought yeah. in a wider fan base. Um, and both of those movies did a good job setting uh, a good tone for like like really strong acting and uh, cool action and stuff like that. Gotcha. And hey, then, I just want to apologize real quick. My space heater went on, so if there's any background noise, that's what it is. Oh, that's fine. I, I can't hear anything. It might be picking up on your end, but not mine. Oh, I can see it pick up. So I'm just oh. saying. <laughs> Have fun with that. <laughs> that's going to be like me and my fan. Remember that shit? I'm just going to let it happen. I'm not editing that out. Yeah. Um. Gosh, we were talking about uh, Willem Dafoe. You know, the thing is with the Spider-Man film is the, the first one was that he had to juggle... Green Goblin and Osborne, right? And there was yeah. the it was kind of fifty fifty split with like screen time, but like in this movie, other than that weird thing where he was Norman but probably wasn't kind mm-hmm. of thing when he was talking to Aunt May. Um, other than that, he was Goblin. Mm-hmm. And I do. I also want to just say, I loved his callback to like when he tongue in cheek looks at the camera and goes. Well, I'm something of a scientist myself. <laughs> I loved it. Made me so happy. Oh. So such a such a memorable moment from that film too. Yeah. Well, and then and then we go through that whole situation where Peter's trying to cure them all and then Goblin eventually pulls them all apart and and gets them to all go against Spider-Man at once. And he ends up killing Aunt May. Which Yeah. Which is a little weird to me because historically Aunt May doesn't die. <laughs> Aunt sure, May but... is is so so historically Aunt May is Peter's living guide. Mm. While Uncle Ben is Peter's spiritual guide. Well, you have to think of it in the context of how they set it up, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with that. Other than Tony Stark, who's gone really now. Had a fa- he never had a father figure. He never had a parental figure other than Aunt May. And there's mm-hmm. never any other figure established either. It was always yeah, just but her. They, they mentioned one. They mentioned one in the first in the first film but whatever well, they that... didn't really mention a, a like a, a parent figure or anything that he just, exactly he just all he said was when i don't do things bad things happen and which so... is with great power comes great responsibility but i mean that's i mean with when aunt may said it i'm okay with it don't get me wrong i'm okay with it i think it works in this context it was just unexpected was not expecting that until i saw that bomb go off and at that moment when she got hit by the by the glider i knew exactly what was happening 
Like, there was not a doubt in my mind that she was going to pull through. I, I knew she was going to... I mean, there's not a doubt in my mind that she wasn't going to... Yeah. That she was not going to die. And as as sad of a scene as that was, right? Um, it's essential. It was, it was inevitable because every other Spider-Man... You need that. ...has had that experience mm-hmm. of a loved one dying in their arms. Yep. And it... And that that moment, I know, like in the other Spider-Man films, that happened so early, but that is a huge turning point for the character as a whole in the movies and in the comics, right? Because mm-hmm. it that, always that comes is, back to that, right? That is when he becomes Spider-Man, not just some yes. vigilante. And they did a great job of that because from that point on, Peter Parker is now Spider-Man. Yes. Like, that's it. Like... He is that. That's all he is now. Well, that's his life. Well, now, that's now consumed him. Now, now let's talk about. So he he disappears. Ned's got the sling ring. Yep. And he's From just that going fight, find which, Peter Parker. By the way, we didn't talk about that fight, but that fight where Peter Parker fought Doctor Strange in the mirror dimension and, and used geometry to beat him was awesome. Yes. That was insane. I mean, it it just shows how smart he is. Like, like that's Peter's a genius. That's mm-hmm. that's part of the whole thing. Which, so let's get to my favorite part of this movie, though. Okay, that's really like, like he's there and he's just talking like, Shh, find Peter Parker. And the portal opens up, and you just see the silhouette, and in comes yeah. Andrew Garfield. I was smiling. I was smiling. I was having a good time. I really liked the conversation with him. Mm-hmm. How are you? Sp- and he just, he comes in full Spider-Man costume and he does the yep. most Andrew freaking Garfield thing possible. Takes his mask off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Takes his mask off. Huh? Huh? Stick to something. Really? Really? He was very funny. Sticks to the wall, goes, gets the web and everything. And they're like, okay, let's, let's try to find the other Peter. Find Peter Parker. Ew. This is the, like, when Tobey Maguire, I knew he was coming. We all knew Tobey Maguire was coming out. But when he walked through that thing, the smile on my face in a dark movie theater, I feel like it, it was it was ear to ear. That is my Spider-Man. That is the one I grew up with. I went to go see that movie in theaters for my birthday. I loved it. And he came back, and I am just so happy and giddy that he was there. And then you even have, like, a little bit of, like, a a whole Spider-Man fight. Like, a quick, like, little... They shoot Mm -hmm. webs at each other. They dodge and things like that. And um, with Tobey Maguire, especially, like... um, I like how the, the, the writers of the film didn't forget that Tobey severely messed up his back. Yeah. And... So he still got that going on. Still has his back issues. And just, they wrote his character right. And you can see that he is older, hasn't stopped being Spider-Man, but he's older and wiser. Mm -hmm. And you can see that he's like, I've been looking for your, I've been looking for your friend, but I can't find him and I want to help him. I see his name all over the place. And he, and he is he is honestly the smartest out of all three of them. And what I don't understand, and I was thinking about this earlier, um, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man 
knew how dangerous Norman Osborn was. Yes. And when when Tom Holland uh Peter Parker says that he's going to he's trying to cure them. Yes. Why didn't Toby warn him that like hey this it, it cannot happen. The Green Goblin cannot be cured. Cuz I don't think he I don't think he believed that. I think he does believe that there's an antidote for whatever Norman's got. He never tried to cure Norman. I guess. He found he didn't he didn't know it was Norman until the end of the movie. No, you're right. You're right. But but he knew though... that he knew that the goblin knew who he was. Mm-hmm. So he didn't he never had a chance to really help Norman Osborne. Because as soon as he finds out he he starts talking and he goes, you, you killed all those people. And he's talking to yeah. him. And then he throws the glider at, at Spider-Man and he does a backflip and stabs himself. I think he would. And I think, I think Toby there is not like we can't cure Norman. I think he's, I, I think he's always wanted to. I think it's one of those, him and Octavius, it's, it's, Two of those people where he looks back and going like, I wish I could go back and help them or do something different. Mm. I wish I would have known what I know now. And I think you see that with him. And you see that in the lab when they're all like kind of like, because yeah. he's the one that takes Norman's cure. He goes, I'll deal with Norman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's the one developing that cure. And then you have Ned over there. Hey, Peter. <laughs> you get all three. Yeah. No, Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and they're all just pointing at him yes you can't so. like like we don't they don't have the luxury that we do of calling them by their actor name mm-hmm. <laughs> but when they like when the other two spider-man actually find tom holland spider-man that i thought that was a great scene there was a lot of emotion in that scene you could see how Tom Holland's character really wanted to go out and get revenge. And you could see how scared it kind of makes Toby because of his own history. And like him explaining it. Like, look, I went out for revenge. It doesn't help. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kill this guy. I got what I wanted. And he's not happy with himself for it. And he had he's had to live with that longer than... Andrew Garfield mm-hmm. uh, has had to deal with all that he's done. Has then he's had to deal with Gwen being dead, and that's his yeah. biggest disappointment is Gwen dying. And I I love that the turning point for Tom Holland actually listening is when he goes, "She told me with great power," and Toby finishes, "Comes great responsibility." Mm-hmm. I think that was a perfect way to bring the three of them together. None of them knew anything about the alternate Spider-Mans. No. Spider-Men. No. They they all had to find that common thread, and they mm-hmm. did. And to see that, like, they're literally all living similar lives, just at different points. I think that's a big thing, too. Mm. Yeah, because they're all... Cause Tom Hollins is the youngest, mm-hmm. being just out of high school, and then Andrew Garfield's a bit older, and then Toby's the oldest, and then yep. But they all 
they all work together very well. They found common ground. They have similar minds and thought processes. They're all smart, right? Yep. That didn't change. They're all geniuses. Oh, my God. Speaking of which, like, when Tom's like, oh, here you go. And and Toby's like, oh, what's that? Oh, that's web fluid. He goes, (laughs) what? (laughs) They go, yeah, for your for your shooters. You do do you not do you not have web shooters and he just shoots and they go oh my yeah. god where's that come from he goes never really thought of it <laughs> just he's the only one that has organic webs well, yeah. and then later on Tom Tom Holland's like so does it come out of anywhere else <laughs> and he's just like what what then they're also just kind of talking like uh, have you ever like uh. Have you ever had like an issue with your webs or anything? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had performance issues. <laughs> he goes, yeah, I, I, it was psychological. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think the biggest reasons this movie works is because of the chemistry between the three Spider Men and the villains. Mm. I think that's it. Like, their chemistry and the villains together, I think, were great. Also, I love how Tom Holland goes, oh, we got to work together, guys. Like, this isn't working. And they go, well, we've only ever really done things by ourselves. And he goes, oh, don't worry. I've been a part of the Avengers. And Toby McGuire is just like, Toby McGuire is just like, oh, that's awesome. What is that? (laughs) (laughs) Andrew Garfield's like, yes. Is that like a band? Are you in a band? You would have banned. So that's great dialogue, man. It's perfect. I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Spider-Man is a wisecracker. All three of them are wisecrackers. Toby gets, like, the, the Toby Maguire writing gets, like, knocked down for not, like, making as many jokes during, like, fights. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got certain, yeah. he does have jokes during his fights, if you listen. They're just not, like, front and center. The action's more front and center in that. But I, I I just like that. That's awesome. Just pause. What is that? Yeah, they're so they're all so supportive of each other, no matter what. I know. And then yeah, that last that whole last uh, fight scene was was so great because it every it, single it, character it was got closer. So much, but there was so much going on. But it you it the way it was. Um, like shot and and all that choreographed it it you were able to pay attention to everything mm-hmm. you know you got andrew garfield got to save the girlfriend this yeah, time mj yep mj and and don't and forget like that that was oh my god that like again i only watched amazing spider-man 2 once but like holy crap watching that scene i was like and he's like almost crying and she's looking at him like that are you okay he goes yeah yeah i'm fine like like i was like oh my god like that was really good and then you have uh then you have like toby mcguire coming down and just stopping tom holland from making the biggest mistake of his life yeah and and tom holland's peter parker learns a very important lesson that will carry on through his development and that's getting revenge doesn't take the pain away yep it wasn't doc ock the only one that actually like like stayed on the good side for the whole movie 
Yeah, I mean, it's the tentacles that control him. Yes. Like, he's the only one that doesn't have, like, a real mental issue. Like, mm. as soon as he gets control over over the the arms again, the mechanical arms, he's fine. Yeah. yeah. Which is why when they when they put the new inhibitor chip on there, he's good. He's ready to fight. Like, like he actually helps out. And that proved invaluable because you have all these really smart people uh, make because they had to make so many different things. It wasn't just like a chemical compound that mm-hmm. they had to drink. It was like technology, and there was, you know, devices they had to use and stuff like that. You well, know, I mean, he's involved. technically the one that stopped Electro. Mm-hmm. So, because he knew that he knew about that, you know, because he yep. also developed technology to control things. Oh, one other part I really liked was when they were all talking. Like right before the the battle starts, when they were all talking about their uh, the villains they faced, like like one of them asks, "Oh, so like what what's the most crazy villain you faced?" And like like uh, Andrew Garfield goes, uh, "I faced a Russian guy in a <laughs> rhino suit." And Toby Toby's like, uh, "I faced." Uh, he goes, "Um, I had to fight um this goo creature from space." And Tom Holland's like, "Oh, I also had to fight." fight fight an alien uh he goes i fought he's like i also had to fight an alien in space and on earth and they're like talking they're go like andrew garfield's like i want to fight an alien toby's like i'm more i'm more interested in like you fought somebody in space (laughs) (laughs) it was just phenomenal chemistry between those three Lots of references. And, and, it, and, it, and it seems like they all enjoyed coming back to the role and being mm, there again. Yeah, and they, they said they did, you know. And now, as as we're starting to wrap this up, and now they're even talking about giving... I've heard rumors about Tom Holland and Toby both getting another movie. So... Not Tom Holland, Andrew. Andrew, Andrew and Toby yeah. getting another movie. So while I'm not against this, uh, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man is my least favorite, and it's oh, just they, and they it's are not his, and it's not his fault. It's just the way that he portrays the character. Well, I mean, it's also part, not a I fan. think a big I think a big issue with it is the writing as well for his. Mm. Like they made tell, they made Peter Parker a kid who confronts the bully. They made Peter Parker a kid who goes and breaks into an abandoned warehouse and goes skateboarding. It's like, that's not Peter Mm, Parker. Yeah. He doesn't confront the bully. He doesn't do any of that. He's not cool. He's not, he doesn't have confidence. He's not courageous. He doesn't go skateboarding. That's not him. Yeah. He plays with beakers (laughs) and a camera. So I agree, but I think Tom Holland's Spider-Man in this one not Tom Holland's. Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man was much better <laughs> mm. in this one than it's been in years past. Yeah, because you, like you said, the writing was was better. And no, I y- think even Mark if you go Webb... back and watch it, if you go back and watch Amazing Spider-Man, just the way the way it was filmed, and the the vibe that the director gave off is so different from anything else, any other Spider-Man film. Mm-hmm. And not when Mark for the Webb better. just came off when Mark Webb directed that movie. He just came off of Five Hundred Days of Summer, and before that, he was a music video director mm. who actually yeah. directed a lot of music videos for. Uh, he directed 
Yellow Cards Ocean Avenue. He oh. directed, uh, what was it? Brand New's uh, Sick Transit Gloria. Like, pretty much any music video he directed, he's got this lamb symbol in it. Oh. But you oh. can actually look up and see what music videos he's directed. Um, he directed the used, the used Saw uh, music video for All That I've Got. He directed that one. He directed a lot of... He directed a lot of scene bands, which is kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, it is. But a lot of bands that I listened to growing up, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, he just missed the mark on Spider-Man. He really did. Yeah, you know, it happens. But, with that being said, overall, right. I think it was a very good movie. And uh, what would you rate this movie, Ben? All right, well, before we wrap up. Yes. You want to talk about the post credit scene? Uh, the Venom one? Yeah. I don't think there's much to talk about there other than Venom drops goo. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that, that, um... It's gonna bring Venom into that's, the... That's gonna be MCU. interesting, right? To see how they, how they handle this. How, what direction are they gonna go? They're gonna go the typical way where, um, Tom Holland's gonna get it first, potentially going into, so. like, Secret Wars territory. I hope so. And then he gets rid of it and then it ends up on Eddie Brock. We don't have Eddie Brock yet in that universe, so there's that. I hope so. Um, that's that's the they way I like. To, or are they gonna do, like, this, this continue on with the multiverse thing where Tom Hardy's Venom does eventually get to face off against Tom Hall and Spider-Man. Well, the real the real thing here is what's going to happen in Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. That is yes. the next question. So we don't really know what's going to happen with that until we get that movie. I cannot wait. I can't either. Sam Raimi, I know Bruce Campbell's going to be in it because Sam yes. Raimi's directing. Um, I'm excited. So... All right. So how the, many to webs rate would it, you rate this? To, to rate this, um, I mean, honestly, uh, very, very little to complain about with this film. It was very strong, um, even though the beginning was a bit messy. Um, but I, I will say, even though this was not a like a cinematic masterpiece like Endgame or Civil War, it's a very strong Spider-Man film that had a good mix of uh, fun and serious moments. Uh, I have to give it an 88 webs out of a hundred out of a hundred. Nice. Nice. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, I really liked the nostalgia without it being nostalgia. Mm. And, uh, honestly, I think, you know, honestly, all I've ever wanted was another Tobey Maguire movie. So, <laughs> um, so, I mean, I was going to rate it right around, like, uh, nine webs out of ten. Oh, are we so, doing out of ten? I don't care. 88 is 8.8. 8.8, yeah. I would have just said 8.8 I don't 8. give a shit. I understand what you said. It's easier to say 8.8. But, yeah, so that – we both gave it pretty high, pretty high, high. ratings. It's it was good. a fun because movie. Because it was good. Very yeah. rewatchable. All right. So, now before we end, I got mm-hmm. I got a quick little game for you. Alright, so I have here a list of the top grossing movies series of all time, okay? Okay. I wrote down the top ten. Now, there's some weird things going on with the top ten because certain movies 
franchises because there's like three or four of them yeah could fit into another category of movies which is also in the top 10 so i'm kind of axing the ones that fit into another franchise does that make sense okay so my only question for you is do these quote-unquote series of movies are they all trilogies are there any that have two are there any that have four there's none that have two okay okay there's one that has four but i'm taking that one that has four out because it technically goes into another it's already being counted for in a different area okay so does that make sense yeah all right so more than two so like got it yeah i mean there's also one here that has not that one uh what is the difference between those two i don't know anyways okay so there's one here that says there are 24 releases but i'm not using that one because it fits into (laughs) the one that's got 26 releases Oh, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm probably gonna guess one of those. I don't know why. What are all the 24 releases of that? They're the same shit. Oh, that's a fucking stupid technicality. <laughs> oh, that's counting all the fucking re-releases. So I'm not gonna fuck that. That's dumb. So there's that's yeah, dumb. screw that. So there's only eight in this one that says that there's 24. Okay. So there's only eight in the one that says 24, and the one that's 26 is 10. Okay, so I'm putting that eight and 10 together, because... Well, yeah. if you're not going to include them, are you just going to tell me what they are? No, they're all included. So oh, like, okay. So like okay. The, the series that has eight, but says 24 because of fucking re-releases, <laughs> the series that has eight goes into this into this other series and it adds another two movies to it so Mm. i'm not counting the one that's just like here are these eight i'm putting it all together because it's already accounted for all together does that make sense okay yeah it does so okay and that's that's the same thing i'm doing with the four and it goes into this one that has 30 so all right so top 10 grossing franchises of all time go ahead um all right, I think. Mm, uh, all right, so I th- I think the first one that comes to my mind is Fast and Furious, because there's just so many of those movies and they all make seven or eight figures. Oh, I'm gonna go ahead and just mark that as a no. What? Yep, that's a no. Is not in the top ten. Nope. Uh, okay. Uh, Lord of uh, the Rings. How many wrong answers would you like? Five? Uh, yeah, sure. Five. Five's good. Okay, so that's one wrong answer. All right, one wrong. I All can't right, believe Lord... you started there because I I would have already had three of these. Oh, okay. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Nope. God. God damn it. Okay, well, my third guess is going to be on there. Franchises. Movie franchises. Star Wars. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. Number yeah. two. Ooh. Okay. Star Trek. Nope. Really? I thought I thought that would be the one you were getting upset about, about all the re-releases. Nope. 
That's that's not the one I'm getting on. I'm okay. going to tell you about that one. Okay. All right. Because you're going to be like, what the hell? I'm going to be like, I agree. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, do I want to say that? Do I want to say that? Uh, Harry Potter? Yes, I will give you Harry Potter. Um, that's the one with all the re-releases. Wait, what What re-releases were there? Just Blu-ray and shit? They re-released it in theaters in 2018. Oh, uh, that's right. All okay. eight movies. So, Harry Potter, that's actually number five, and it goes into the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Uh, okay. With 26 movies. I mean, technically 10. So the reason there's 10 is because you also have to count the two uh, Fantastic Beast ones. So that is number five. Okay. Um, I, I can't I can't believe anything. How many wrong have I gotten? Three? Three already? Yeah, you've got three. Do you want do you want a hint? Well I'm scared to I'm scared to cast now. Do you cause... want a hint? Okay, well I ben, know and you're and if, if Ben, and, let me okay. just say this. So let me, let me just go with this real quick. This is your hint. When I come up with these do they relate to our topic of the day? Um, I guess. What's your hint? <laughs> I mean, okay. So, Avengers? Is that a series? No, right? So... Uh... See why it's confusing for me? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to give you the Avengers, but I'm not going to mark you wrong. Because the Avengers, uh, the Avengers is one that I'm technically counting. You have to. movies in a different franchise. If you do, they are some of the highest grossing films of all time. So the the yeah. Avengers movies are technically a part of this other franchise. They are a sub product of this other franchise. Uh, a sub product of another franchise. Um. It's a subproduct of Iron Man. Technically. No, Iron Man's yes. also a subproduct of this other franchise. There is one franchise. I, I'm literally like walking you through this one. There is one franchise that encompasses all of those movies. Marvel? What what is it called? The MCU? There you go. Number one of oh. all time. Jesus oh. Christ, Ben. That doesn't, but that doesn't, but like MCU that is a, isn't, no. It is. MCU is not it the is. same thing as Star Wars. It is. That doesn't, no. Star, you know what else Star Wars encompasses? Rogue One. Yeah. Oh I yeah, know. Rogue One and all that. You know why? Because it's the Star Wars universe. It is Star Wars. MCU. Number one all okay. time. Okay, okay, MCU. All right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, now we got through that. Jesus Christ, Ben. Um, I can't believe, like, that's why I was like, I already, I already would have, like, two or three of these. Um, so now, you, you said it relate, partially relates to what we were talking about. Yes. I said MCU, so that's Captain America, Spider-Man, all that shit. Yeah, that, that um, covers all of the Marvel MCU movies. Um, how about, oh, how about this? I, I'm kind of reaching, I feel like I'm reaching here. Uh -huh. 
with this guess. Okay. But uh, Jurassic Park. Yes, that is number ten. Because I know, I know, like the originals didn't make a lot, but I know the new ones have made quite a bit of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. Number ten. Fun fact: uh, Fast and Furious franchise is number eleven. Oh, uh, so just just short of the mark. I knew it had to be on there somewhere. Because there's just so many of those. Mm-hmm. How could it not? You know? Um, so MCU, all right, now that kind of takes a lot out of the way. Y- yes. Let me, let, me, let me tell you something else real quick, okay? Mm. So, let's say we have, for example, the MCU, okay? Yeah, all right. Now, if there is a majority of the movies that technically aren't in the MCU... Those still count. Not in the MCU, but those still count. Yeah, like like Blade and Hulk and all that, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so like Blade, the series of Blade would be its own thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm still kind of surprised I got Jurassic Park. Um, so... I know Disney isn't a series of movies, but okay. there is a series of movies within Disney mm-hmm. that I feel like has to be on there. Am I okay. in the right direction? Am I going you, in the you, right direction here? I mean, there there is a series of Disney movies that uh, that is so on here. I'm gonna go with. I don't um, think I would not get this one. I'll, I'll let you know that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the. Because, just because it had a, a recent quote-unquote re-release, but not really, like a remake, that did very well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Lion King. Yes and no. Okay. I don't know if I should mark you wrong for that, because you're technically, I mean, yes and no. That movie is in this franchise. What? Yes. Disney In a has franchise. This whole franchise things for like what that new Lion King was. I'm trying to think what that is because I feel like I've heard that before. Like, because now when Disney advertises, me, if you can give me a general idea of what it is, I'll let you have it. Well, like the the the. Oh. The what do you call was it called the the world of Disney or the Magic Kingdom or no you're getting further away I'm gonna mark you wrong because you, you you said the Lion King remake right well no the Lion King as a, there's the Lion King Lion King two Lion King one and a half Lion King three then oh, okay. the remake yeah, no. Timon and Pumbaa. No. There's a shit ton of movies. No, I'm marking you wrong. Okay, we weren't on the same page on that one. I'm marking you wrong. God, how long ago did you start? Jesus Christ. Oh, wow. Alright, well, The Wonderful World of Disney? I thought it was a TV show. Is that really what you're going after? No. Okay. No. You're 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 so far away. 
Okay, well, all right, so... You might want to move on, because you got one wrong left. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna throw a Hail Mary here. And the only reason why I know this movie could be on there is because I am upset as, how, as to how much money it has made, because it wasn't a very good franchise, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Was uh, Despicable Me. Nope. That doesn't make any sense. The All Minions right. movie made so much freaking money. All right, ready? Oh, God. You ready for this? Sure. That's five wrongs. Yep. Do you want me to go in top to bottom or? 10 to 1, yeah. 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Okay. Jurassic Park is number 10. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. That includes Jurassic Park, 1, 2, 3, and the Jurassic World movies. Mm-hmm. Highest grossing movie out of that was Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. It sure was. Okay. Next one. The DC EU. See, I was going to guess that, but I didn't want to sound like an idiot. <laughs> Highest grossing movie in the DCEU was Wonder Woman. Uh, I probably wouldn't have gotten this one at number eight. James Bond. Oh, yeah. Highest grossing James Bond film of all time? Skyfall. Yeah. Should, you know what? I don't know why I didn't think of that. Uh, the next one up was Harry Potter, but we put that into the Wizarding yep. World of Harry Potter, so that doesn't count. That's what um, I got right, though. Yep. Uh, no, so number seven I'm counting as Batman, which encompasses all Batman films. So that also encompasses the... I hate that. Yes. <laughs> Batman encompasses all Batman films because the majority of them are not in the DCEU. So that counts. Highest grossing one was The Dark Knight. Next one we have here is X-Men. At Mm. number six. Mm. But how is that not part of the MCU? X-Men is not part of the MCU. I know, but like, come on. X-Men. Now, X-Men... It was supposed to be Avengers, but I included Avengers with the MCU. So, yeah, X-Men. Yeah, you did. You highest did, grossing did. film in the X-Men franchise is Deadpool. Uh, so you got You got number five right. Uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Highest grossing film, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Uh, the next one is one that I thoroughly like tried to walk you into and you never said it. Um, number four is Spider-Man. Really? Because the majority of the Spider-Man films, one, two, three, amazing, amazing two, take place outside the MCU. True. They do. Highest grossing one right now is No Way Home. Mm, Makes sense. Before that, it was Spider-Man 2. No, actually, it was Spider-Man 3 before that, I think. Let me check that. Uh, no. Uh... <clears throat> says Lifetime Gross. Highest one was Spider-Man before Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay. Next one was another one I was trying to walk into. I would have accepted the live-action Disney films... Or Disney's live-action remakes. 
what they're actually called is Disney live action reimaginings. Oh, Highest grossing one was The Lion King. Now, I disagree with that because I will die on this freaking step. On this stool, I will die. It is not live action. There's not a single fucking live action thing right. in that damn movie. It is not live action, but that's what it's under. You're right. Yep. And you got number two, which was Star Wars. Highest grossing film there was The Force Awakens. And number one is the MCU. Yeah. Makes so, sense. and that highest grossing one was Endgame. Now, Star Wars and the MCU just blow everyone else out of the water. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney, is, their live action reimaginings are $3.4 billion they've made. Okay, but does that include like um, Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast and stuff like that? Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, The Jungle Book, Aladdin, Alice in Wonderland, Maleficent, Oz the Great and Powerful, Cinderella, 101 Dalmatians from 96, that's when it started, Dumbo, uh, Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Cruella, Alice through the Looking Glass, Pete's Dragon, um, 102 Dalmatians, The Jungle Book, 94. Okay, so now that you now that I know that that's a thing, I'm gonna make a mental note of that for future reference. Yes. So, but anyways, Disney made Disney was three point four billion. Okay. Star Wars jumps Disney with five point with five billion. Like that's that's a significant increase, and then the MCU is just freaking leaps and bounds away from everyone else, which is nine point <laughs> six billion dollars. Makes sense as to why Disney picked them all up, right? Yep. So, anyways, so that's the top ten. Um. Anyways, have a I good got night. a couple, right? Yeah, I got a couple, right? <laughs> At least right. better than last time. All right. Well, see you later. All right.